Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Warning to any listeners. This episode will include descriptions that some people may find distressing. Any person, including members of the public, who identifies a victim or alleged victim of sexual assault can be held in contempt of court, as they are guaranteed lifetime anonymity by law. On the morning of the 19th of July... 2017. Two men entered the home where Celine Ducran was staying with her friend. They gagged the two girls and bound their hands and feet with tape and chucked them into the back of a van. Stunned and petrified, Celine and her friend did not know the abuse and pain that they would suffer over the next few hours. In an attack that had been planned weeks in advance by none other than a trusted family member, her uncle. This is the unbelievable story of how a young woman was subjected to a sexually motivated attack of unspeakable horror by her uncle who became obsessed with her and her friend. An obsession which soon turned to violence when he found out they had boyfriends of their own age. Welcome to the final episode of season one of Unbelievable a true crime podcast where each week I've been taking you through the stories of some of the most disturbing crimes committed in the UK. They are often horrific, sometimes baffling, but always unbelievable. To explain each case, I'll be using the reports from the police, the media, the trials, and statements from family, friends, and those involved. It's important to note here that these stories are 100% true. Celine Ducran was just a normal teenage girl growing up in South London after being born in Wandsworth, one of London's inner city boroughs. She enjoyed spending time with family and friends and worked full time at Barclays Bank. But her passion was for makeup. She was an aspiring makeup artist. At 19 years old, she had a fan base on social media where she used to post tutorials about how others could achieve the makeup looks she created. Celine was from an Indian Muslim family and would often thank God and others using her social media channels, wishing others happiness on occasions such as Eid, an important religious festival in the Islamic faith. Eight days before she was killed, she sent one such tweet to her followers, thanking God for all she had in her life. Like many young women, Celine also had a boyfriend who she was very much in love with. He was also a Muslim, but differently from her, he was from an Arab family. Her family did not agree with her choice of partner, and they did not want her to get married to him. The family are said to have held a meeting with Celine, where they told her to stop dating him. However, not wanting to give up the person who, at the time, she thought she would spend the rest of her life with, she refused her family's orders. One member of her family 
took Celine's refusal to stop seeing her boyfriend particularly badly. That was her uncle, Mujahid Arshid. Arshid was in his thirties and a builder by trade. Those close to her family would have been aware how much he adored Celine. Some might have thought he was infatuated with her. Whatever it was, it was not a normal way to behave with your niece. Although the true depths and disgusting nature of his obsession would not be known to the public until later. There was no doubt either that Arshid was also infatuated with Celine's friend, who also had a boyfriend. Celine had gone to stay with Arshid at his home in Homefield Gardens, Mitcham, after her family became unhappy that she was still seeing her boyfriend. It was there that on the 19th of July, 2017, he burst in on Celine and her friend, binding and gagging them before bundling them into a van. He took them to an empty six-bedroom London property he was renovating at the time. Arshid did not own the house in Coombe Lane West, Kingston-upon-Thames in Surrey, but it was where he had planned to commit his depraved crimes. There at the house, Arshid sexually assaulted and raped Celine, and eventually her friend. He then slit Celine's throat with a lock knife, which caused her to die almost instantly. The second victim was downstairs, tied to a chair, and could hear the vicious attack on Celine taking place as she waited helplessly for her own fate. After hearing screams and thuds, and eventually silence, Arshid came downstairs and turned on her, cutting her throat, stomach and wrists. It was only by convincing Arshid that she was in love with him and wanted to be in a relationship with him that the second woman was able to escape, by which time Arshid had already stuffed Celine's body into a large chest freezer that he had installed at the property as part of his plan. It was there that he left her. Knowing the police would be looking for him, Arshid tried to escape the area, but was arrested at a hotel in Folkestone, Kent, an hour or two away from the crime scene. Police found him holding the key for the padlock he had put on the chest freezer where Celine's body was lying. Before leaving, he had messaged his wife on WhatsApp, saying that a darkness had come over him. The second victim, Celine's friend, had miraculously survived and managed to tell police from her hospital bed of Celine's whereabouts and what had happened to them. Arshid denied all the charges that were brought against him, including the rape and murder of Celine, and his trial started at the Old Bailey Courthouse in London in January 2018. There, the details of how he'd spent weeks planning to abduct and kill both the women were revealed. Jurors, members of the public and the press heard how on that day, Arshid had kidnapped the girls wearing a balaclava, glasses and pyjamas with the help of an accomplice who had also hidden his face and wore gloves. A man named Vincent Tapu was charged as the accomplice for kidnapping the girls and stood trial with Arshid. Over the course of the day, Arshid went on to molest both women and cut their throats. Giving video evidence from behind the screen, Celine's friend gave evidence against Arshid and told the court what had happened. She told the jury how Arshid had molested Celine's body 
while she was dead, adding that he had molested her too, thinking that she was dead. She described how she sat up and he asked her, how have you got so much energy? By which point she was covered head to toe in her own blood. He asked her, how are you still breathing? You should have seen Celine when I cut her neck. There was so much blood. Oh my God. She said he told her that she had 10 minutes to live before her body shut down, while she tried to play dead so he would stop hurting her. She was eventually able to get hold of a phone and said her first instinct was to call someone for help. Instead, she texted her boyfriend, saying don't message or call or reply, I've been kidnapped. At 4.41 that afternoon, she also sent her frantic mother the message, he's going to kill me, don't reply. She then began trying to persuade Arshid that she was in love with him. She said, I started saying things he wanted to hear, like I love you, we can run away together, we can be happy together, we can have a family. He said, I'm not good enough for you, look what I've done. I'm not going to lie, I was scared for my life. I thought if we get out alive, he cannot get away with this. She had also tried to persuade her captor to let her call her university, as she had a deadline. She hoped he would nip out so that she could call the police, but he was shadowing her 24-7, she said. She had to pretend that seeing him carry Celine's body down the stairs to the freezer did not affect her. But she eventually managed to convince Arshid that they should run away together and not tell anyone about Celine's death. Having talked him around, Arshid decided against killing her and took her to meet his brother, telling him that they were going to be running away together. Instead, the brother took her straight to hospital because, in his words, she looked like a ghost and had been brutally cut. Police attended the hospital immediately and she begged them to go to the house where Celine was. There they found her in the freezer. She had a sock in her mouth and had died from the combined effect of restricted airways and loss of blood. The second woman spent a week in St. George's Hospital and had two operations as she recovered from knife wounds after the attack. She said she now has flashbacks and nightmares that prevent her from moving on and physical scarring from the attack is a constant reminder of what Selena and her went through. During the trial, it was also revealed that Arshid had sexually abused the second victim as a child but her family had chosen to give him the benefit of the doubt, said Prosecutor Crispin Aylett. During her cross-examination, when Arshid's lawyers denied that she had been sexually abused by the defendant as a child, she wept on the stand. But when asked by the senior judge if she wanted to continue, she nodded. Later he adjourned her evidence until the next day, reassuring her that the trial would be over soon. In court, Arshid ranted and raved, shouting that the second victim had committed the murder. She lied to you, he yelled, later shouting, I will prove that bitch wrong. Prosecutors also submitted evidence that Arshid had flown into a jealous rage when Celine started dating her boyfriend and when he found out that they had started having sex. He had punched Celine's boyfriend and smashed up pictures of the two together. It also came out that Arshid had been well known to the police in the years before Celine's murder.
Four years before, Arshid had sent a series of messages to an undercover police officer describing a rape fantasy involving the second woman. During their explicit exchanges, he said, These kind of girls deserve rape, lol. LOL being the acronym commonly used in online messaging, meaning laughing out loud. Messages read out to the jurors included one showing Arshid asking the detective if he would like to drug and then force a teenage girl to have sex. He also sent the police officer a photograph of the second woman, who was then only a teenager. The messages were traced to his house. But when confronted by the police... Arshid blamed an employee for using his computer, and the case was dropped by prosecutors. In his defence, Arshid blamed the surviving woman for killing Celine in a fit of jealousy after he had consensual sex with the both of them. Arshid had driven home after the killing, speaking to his wife and gathering his belongings and passport before taking a train from New Malden and travelling onward to Folkestone in Kent where he was traced. Not only was he found with the key to the padlock on the freezer, he also had the purses belonging to the two victims. He had refused to answer questions when police arrested him, but on being charged, he told officers, the evidence you need is in front of you. Just look at the evidence and keep an open mind. The prosecutor Crispin Ayler QC revealed how Celine had told her boyfriend that she found Arshid creepy and a pervert. Aylet said Celine was found face down in the freezer, at an awkward angle, consistent with having been stuffed inside. Her arms were covered in blood, and her body was extremely cold, and she had obviously been dead for some time. In the weeks leading up to the killing, Arshid had carried out research on the internet, and was inspired by the acid bath killer John George Hay, who was hanged in 1949 for murdering six people. The jury deliberated for 14 hours before delivering their verdicts. They found Arshid guilty of murder, attempted murder, two counts of kidnap and two counts of rape. He was also convicted of sexual assault charges against the second woman between 2008 and 2010. He was convicted at the Old Bailey, where he was handed four life sentences, being told he would have to serve a minimum of 40 years in prison. The second man, an accused accomplice, Vincent Tapu, was acquitted of all the charges against him, including kidnap of both women, false imprisonment, and possession of a firearm with intent. In tears, he thanked the jury for their decision. Members of Celine's family shouted yes when Arshid was found guilty, while he shouted that the second survivor had killed Celine. As he was led down to the jail cells below the court, an onlooker from the gallery shouted the word paedophile at him. Outside the court, DCI Sam Price described Arshid's actions as a sexually motivated attack of unspeakable violence and horror. She added, Celine's family have been forced to sit through weeks of reliving their daughter's last hours, and they have done this with absolute dignity. Their distress has been compounded by the fact that Arshid was someone they knew and trusted. Throughout the trial, Arshid's attempt to deflect blame from himself have been deplorable. 
I'm glad the jury have seen through his lies and have convicted him of these horrific crimes. I would like to pay tribute to them and the surviving victim who have shown great strength and courage during this investigation. This is in complete contrast to Arshid's cowardice. Navneet Dosange from the Crown Prosecution Service said this was a premeditated series of crimes in which the victims were deliberately targeted and endured violent sexual assaults at the hands of Arshid after he plotted their kidnap. Dosange went on, Arshid showed no remorse. He attempted to evade arrest after the killing and even accused the surviving victim of having carried out the murder herself. Following Celine's death, her family had paid tribute to her, calling her an amazingly talented and loving daughter, saying she had brought happiness, joy and laughter to her family and friends. We are proud of Celine for everything she had achieved, and we were looking forward to seeing a loving, caring and innocent young girl fulfil her potential in life and carry on making us proud. They had thanked those offering them support and asked for privacy while they dealt with the shock, trauma and grief in private. They added, We have sincere belief and full confidence that the perpetrators will face the full force of the law. We would like to reiterate our thanks to all that have offered their support and ask everyone to pray for both victims and their immediate families and that the vile individuals involved face the full weight of justice upon them. After the guilty verdict was read, Celine's mum, Iman Nadim, said, Celine's death has left our family feeling cheated and robbed. My heart is heavy. However, I will not let it be broken by the cowardly actions of an evil monster. She was the heart and soul of our family. No mother or family should ever have to bury their daughter. She also said that her daughter had fallen victim to pure evil and that coming to terms with her death is likely to be a lifelong assignment. She will always be there, in the darkness that surrounds us, she said. The family of the surviving victim also put out a statement. Mujahid Ashid tried to destroy the life of the surviving victim ever since she met him. He has manipulated and lied repeatedly and continued this throughout the trial. He persistently fabricated the truth and attempted to deceive the courts and the same can be said of those that have supported him during the course of this trial. More so, Ashid, by pleading not guilty, ensured that the surviving victim would have to relive that horrific day in minuscule detail during the course of this trial. He showed not an ounce of remorse throughout this trial, in spite of the hurt and pain he purposely caused. He should hang his head in shame. Questions have been raised about how a predator such as Arshid was able to go on to commit such horrendous crimes when he was known to the police for some time. The surviving victim alerted some members of her family to his behaviour in 2011, but his story was not accepted. It was two years later that Arshid came onto the police radar when he was caught in an operation aimed at trapping paedophiles. The Crown Prosecution Service wanted to bring a case, but they could not because the police failed to find Arshid's laptop. This police investigation is now forming part of a review. It is only when this review is completed will we ever know 
whether the police missed a vital opportunity to stop what turned into a fatal chain of events. Thank you for listening to the final episode of season one of Unbelievable. Please take a second to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, share with your friends, and follow us on social media. The links are in the description below. We've already started work on season two, which will be released later this year. We will keep you updated as to when you'll be able to next listen. I've been your host, Bronwyn Weatherby, and please join us next season when we'll have more unbelievable stories to tell you. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye.